Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back. Mackie and Judd. We're hanging out here at the NHL Alumni Golf Classic in Hudson, Wisconsin, where Judd is going to buy all of the new Glarus. All of the Why new Glarus. I? Is there a compelling case not to? I already saw you walk up to the bar and uh, ask the bartender, yeah, can I have all of your spotted cow? And she said, you want a glass of spotted no, cow? No, I want and all Judd, the kegs. And Judd goes, no, I want all of your spotted cow. <laughs> yeah, I want every keg, every last keg. And I'm taking it across state lines, and I ain't bringing it back full. <laughs> Uh, Lindsey Whalen is uh, one of our favorite guests on this show every Monday, head coach of the Gopher women's basketball team and uh, longtime legendary point guard, Lynx. Lindsey, uh, let's just start, let's just rip the bandit off right away. You guys uh, lost a tough one yesterday, and Coach Reeve was pretty telling in her postgame remarks, just talking about sort of the toll of multiple seasons and, and sitting at the top of the mountain. What's your thought right now? Are, is this something that it'll iron itself out over the course of a season, or is this season different in some ways? Um, well, I think, you know, it's uh, every season, every season's very different. Um, I think that, uh, you know, this season has been uh, unlike any because we've started out, when we started out three and six, that was, um, that was obviously not the start that we, that we wanted or we worked for in training camp and, uh, but it's the way it, it's the way it went. Then we won seven and now won seven in a row. And now obviously some, a week of really ups and downs where we've lost some really tough ones like last night. And we've, we've had some great, some great games where we've um, played really well against say LA and then at Indiana, I thought was one of our better team games of the season. So yeah, it's been, it's been different. Um, you know, obviously, if I had the answer, we probably wouldn't be in this position. We wouldn't be in eighth place, and um, having lost now two home games in a row. Um, but um, you know, all we can do is is you know try to get better individually and and collectively as a team in practice. And uh, we're always a better team after we have some practice time. So I feel I feel good for tomorrow's practice and and going into Wednesday's uh, kids' day in the afternoon. Those are always games that are a lot of fun, tons of energy and. Um, you know, like I said, we always are a team that practices well, and once we practice well, um, usually on the court we're able to see um, the things we worked on, and and we'll just uh, go in tomorrow with a with a good attitude for practice and, and get ready for the game on Tuesday. Are screaming kids really fun? I mean, they bring out all those kids group. I go to Twins games, you know, once in a while when they bust all those kids in in May, 
and they're screaming the, the whole time. I got to be honest, as an adult, it gets annoying after a while, Lindsay. Well, I mean, if I was to be sitting in the crowd, I might think that I might, I don't know, I'd have to, I'd have to go to a game at be honest. where it's a kid's day. I like it. I honestly do like it because it's so much energy and it's, it's really, I mean, it's full, the stadium is full. Um, and it, you know, you're playing in front of the next generation of boys and girls. So it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really cool. I, you know, I've always liked those games. Um, I, I like afternoon games too, because you can, um, you know, you come and you, you play ready to go. And then, um, you know, you still have some of the day left over. You're not getting home at, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock and then trying to go to sleep and then waking up early the next <laughs> next day and whatnot. It's, it's kind of nice to have that, that switch up in that game early every so often. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, I, I like it. I really enjoy it. Now, if, like I said, if I was to sit there and have to watch a game and, you know, sit there with the screaming kids, maybe I'd feel differently. So, yeah, after I, if in a couple of years I go to a game and I'll, I'll be able to tell you, Maybe a different story, but as a player, I really like it a lot. I saw so uh, a couple weeks ago when 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 you beat the Sparks at home, and I, I was sitting I was sitting in the white the white collar seats, yes, down by the uh, the you rich folks. Side, yeah, I was I was sitting second row. Yeah, it's actually the best seats I've ever had for a basketball game. It was amazing, and uh, you know, thank you Thanks. secondary market for for hooking it up. But <laughs> we were sitting behind. A guy. I'm assuming he goes to every game. He was. He seemed to know everybody who's sitting front row, and he was on Candace Parker the whole second half. Like yeah. in her. Like like. I mean, they're like they're they're ten feet away from each other because he's sitting front row, and at one point she just turns around and stares at him for like thirty straight seconds yeah. while he's yelling at her. It was the the. You. I don't know if you saw any of this. It was sort of by your bench, but on the opposite side. Do you get heckled like that? Like that was amazing to me. Candace Parker could have walked over and punched this dude in the face. But just just kind of stared him down a couple times. Um, let's see. On the yeah, on the road every so often in Seattle, I'll get something in Phoenix. In Phoenix, some of the games where we've had some con- really hot, hotly contested, um, you know, games. Um, yeah, actually, last night at home, I heard a couple people screaming uh, at me. So um, from behind <laughs> like, our that's bench. never good. Lindsay. Like Lynx fans mad at you or what? Well, somebody yelled, "Get in the game!" You know, the, you know, get in the game or something like that, and I just. I was sitting there and watching, cheering on the team at that point, and he, I don't, yeah. So I don't know. It, it was, uh, I, yeah. I guess the next time I, I went in, he probably wanted me to play better. Um, but uh, yeah, no. On the road, those are some of the ones that um, that I've had. I, I had them chanting last year in the in the finals. Kick her, kick her out to me when I I flagrant fouled Odyssey Sims. That was kind of fun. That was my that was one of my more, more fun moments for sure when they were chanting kick her out. I knew it if, wasn't if you, a flagrant too either. I probably thought it, I knew it was a flagrant, but I knew it wasn't a flagrant too. That was pretty awesome when they were chanting "kicker out." That was really, really a cool moment. <laughs> so my guess is, if the entire crowd, especially on the road, hates you, that that would actually be pretty cool. But what's your thought? And have have you ever responded to an individual fan, especially away from home? who has been on you the, the entire game? Because I would imagine the temptation at times has to be really great to just tell some guy or gal in, that, in, in this case as well just to shut up. you got to keep your head. you got to keep your head. I think what Candace Park, you know, the stare. <laughs> the stare was, uh, that's, you know, I, I probably would give a, give a stare um, if, I, if I was to do anything because, yeah, you got to keep your cool as much as you can. You can't let it distract you either, but, I um, mean, hey, there. They're into the games, you know. That means they're into the games. They're they're there. They're passionate. They're 
um, they're enjoying themselves and they're uh, um, they're cheering for their team. So it definitely is, uh, you know, makes for a, a fun a fun atmosphere for sure. It means that the fans are into it, which we which we like for sure as players. Hey, give us a give us an update on your other job. How are things going? Where are things at right now? Are you able to hold any organized practices this summer here? Where are we at with uh, with your head coaching job? Yeah, I'm actually just watching video of practice from the other day. Um, we we have ten practices that we can have before we go to Italy. So the um, the women will go to Italy August eighth through the sixteenth as a part of um, you know once every four years we ch- we try to get a foreign trip for. For our women, and so this year um, is a, is the foreign tour where we're going to Italy. They go to Rome, Florence, and then I can't remember the other city to be honest. But um, so we have ten practices that we can do where they're full practices um, during our eight, during our eight week summer session of classes. And so we had our first practice the other day on Saturday, and then we have another practice today from three to six. Um, actually, two thirty is um, they have weights, and then after that um, we'll have practice. And so we'll just we're just going to install a couple plays. Uh, we're going to go through our defensive concepts, um, you know, how we want to guard pick and roll, how we, how we want to guard defensively, and then just installing um, some plays, just some actions to kind of get them organized and, and whatnot for over there. And then um, they'll take three weeks off before we get back into fall classes um, day after Labor Day. So um, I'm able to coach you. I think a couple of these practices I'm, I'm able to go, um, you know, today, but – there's a lot that I won't be able to go to. So I'm, I'm able to yeah. come to be at some of the starting ones, and then after that, um, it's, uh, I, w- I won't be able to be at, at as many. But, yeah, we have 10, we have 10, uh, 10 practices. How do you balance as, as a coach, and you're going to be one of, the, one of the younger top power conference coaches, so you're a little bit more relatable to the players and probably therefore could be more of a player's coach, but how do you balance the good cop, bad cop, uh, build rapport, but also probably don't want to be too much of a friend. Have you figured that balance out? Um, right now, I guess I'm I'm good cop. I don't know because I'm just kind of getting it. I'm getting started, and um, I don't know. I'm just kind of getting the feel for um, for the women on the team and kind of what um, what makes them go. And I'm learning as I'm going too because this is obviously my first um, my first go at it. So. Um, so yeah, I obviously I, my other coaches on the staff are more experienced at coaching than me. Um, so you know they've been great. I've kind of you know leaned on them a lot. So um, you know my first day when they're like grab your whistle, I was like whistle. Yeah, <laughs> I was like because our WNBA coaches they don't bring whistles to practice and you know blow the whistle and everybody get on the line. That just doesn't happen in the WNBA. <laughs> so I was kind of. Um, I was like, oh, okay, I, all right, I'll bring a whistle, and I've used it probably like twice because I just, um, I don't know, that's that's not something I'm used to yet. Um, so yeah, it's a little, it's definitely a little different. Um, there's some of the things in college that that once we do and once we've gotten into, I remember, oh yeah, we <laughs> like we had to get on the line and, and whatnot, and um, like you know, like losers of a drill run and type things like that. Whereas in the WNBA. Um, that's not quite the case. You're pretty much trying to preserve your body at all times, get ready for the next game. So um, it's a little different when you have, like, that right now we don't, I mean, our first official game is in November, so it's July. So right. obviously we're getting ready for this Italy trip, but we have a lot of time, so we can work on conditioning, we can work on those type of things and those type of, like, I guess, reminders of attention to details and, and discipline type things. So 
Um, but it's been good. It's been cool. It's been some like you know, obviously a big learning experience and and all those things. That's been that's been fun. What's going to be the uh, the skill that that young basketball players lack that that you're going to have to be most patient about? So what can they? What's going to be the thing that they probably don't do well that that you've done for a long time now that you're good, that you're going to actually have to show patience because it's just something that these players are going to take time to develop. Yeah. Um... I would probably say that the, the optimistic passing is I'm watching video right now. Um, yep. Like, you know, it's like I'm seeing a lot of passes that are probably like there's a 10% chance that that's going to get through or a 10% chance that that player is going to be able to make something positive out of it. So I think just like valuing the possession and understanding that, understanding when someone's open and, and all that are are probably, it's probably something that I'll be able to bring because for so many years in the WNBA I've, that's been a main thing is that, you know, taking care of the ball and understanding that um, that possessions are, are valuable. And so um, as young players, um, you think you can probably, you know, squeeze it in that window or you think that they might, you might be able to pass them open. But, um, you know, we can probably get a better shot later, later a shot later in the shot clock. So um, yeah. probably some of those things will be, will be good for me to well, bring Lindsay, to Well, Lindsay, great catching up. <laughs> And, uh, you know, get this thing back on track with the links. We'll catch up again on no, Monday. No 10, second, no 10 seconds in the key or 24-second shot clock thing? <laughs> the, yeah, the n- nine innings, extra extra innings. <laughs> well, we don't have our full production out here today because oh, we're, we're hanging okay, out at a golf okay. course. Next Monday. I'm holding We'll you do two it. full minutes next Monday. Yeah, how about that? Bring, Even better. Bring your endurance. The fast Even break better. with Lindsay. Two-minute drill. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> All right. Bye, Lindsay. Later. The two-minute two warning for football. You know, the two-minute well, option. The, the penalty box with Lindsay <laughs> Whalen. Take your pick there of the cliche, whichever one. <laughs> Bye, Lindsay. Uh, thanks, guys. See ya. All right. L- Lindsay Whalen, grinding film. Um, let's let's come back, Mackie and Judd. We've ran long with our last two guests, but it's been a lot of fun. We're hanging out at the NHL Alumni Classic at White Eagle Golf Club. And uh, hang tight for a couple minutes. We'll come back and have more guests throughout the show, too. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie. Poke it out of the bunker two putt for a 10. You lost the course. Then I lit myself on fire. Judd Zolgad. Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd, White Eagle Golf Club, here for the NHL Alumni Golf Classic. And we promise to post video later on today on the 1500 ESPN Facebook page and our YouTube page of the Judd Zolgad Athlete Challenge, Episode 3, where you fared quite well. We did not need the over-under set at 8.5. We didn't even need it set at 5.5. You would have been under, 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 under. I'm still shocked by that. It's pretty amazing. I am absolutely shocked. First (laughs) of the three challenges that actually look like I might have had just a smidgen of athletic ability as opposed to the first two. You should probably stop there, but we're getting a bunch more suggestions on the next Judd Zolgat Athlete Challenge. Somebody put up a Twitter poll with four options. Oh, what are the options? Let's oh, my. Oh, I, I'm going to have to go find it. I feel like they they beat us to the punch on this Twitter they poll. They did, and I have no idea who, who this is, but one was uh, throwing a baseball, I think, trying to throw a strike, which came up during the course of Sunday's Twins game, and I don't know why. The question was, could I throw a strike uh, from 60 feet, 6 inches, which I actually have some doubts about. Hmm. Uh, the arm. How are your shoulders? They're not good. And I think my right rotator cuff is goofed up because it's hurt. If I try to throw, it's hurt for like the last 10 years. Oh, so what if happened I try 10 and, years ago? I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I was throwing 
one day, and I'm not joking, 10 to 15 years back, I was like throwing rocks, and I got done throwing them, and my shoulder really hurt. And since then, I can't. I, I can throw, but it's you not good. You were throwing rocks? Yeah, was, how big like, were these rocks? Some -year -old adult. In the water. And just hanging out, chucking No, just rocks. some pebbles, like, just some pebbles. And I came, and I got done. Are you meditating by and a my, babbling brook? I don't remember the circumstance. You? The story is, though, my rotator cuff, <laughs> cuff was barking after that, and it's never been the same since. So I have my doubts about how hard I could actually throw a baseball. I probably could throw a slow strike, but it wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't I, be a pretty experiment. I need to know more about you throwing rocks. I think I just throw rocks going after in, a duck? into the water. No, I was just, it was no big deal. It was just like the 4th of July or something, and I'm throwing some rocks into the water. That's what I do on the 4th. Just for fun. Just for fun, and my rotator cuff hurt, and it hurt for like two days. And then the next time I tried to throw a ball or something, it still hurt. Boy. So I have I have some serious doubts okay, what, about. What, 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 the, you found the poll yet? Um, yeah, here it is. What should the next ZSCs All Get Sports Challenge be? One, trying to throw strikes, pitching strikes. Yep. Two, kicking field goals. Three, serving in tennis. And four, wow. shooting pucks on goal. Well, we're going to do pucks at some point. Yes. The, well, the idea was you being the goalie, too. Yeah, with, yeah, with Phil, Phil taking shots because you claim to be the greatest street hockey goalie I think we should. I think if we do that sports challenge, we actually should do both because Phil also claims that playing goal is pretty simple. That's right. true. We could so, be street hockey. So or, I, think I, I mean, putting skates on me would make it incredibly difficult because yeah. I haven't skated in... Yeah. It's probably That'd been be longer challenge. since I've skated than since you picked up a golf club. Okay, and I think I could still... I haven't skated in ages, but I used to skate really consistently. So I think I could. It wouldn't be really pretty, but I could still skate. But I, I think that challenge would be both ways. I would shoot on you, and then and then I could play goal. But that's only a street for me because if I'm on skates, I can't stop the puck. If I am, but if I'm playing street hockey goaltender, I once was the tradiac of that game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The you know the field goal thing is a good idea, or even just an extra point somewhere in that close range distance. <laughs> the, the tennis challenge intrigues me, and it would have to be more than just a serve. It'd have to be a set or a game of tennis, you versus me, or what, whatever when it is, I, or Dave. I'll warn you when I played sports and and I attempted a couple of times. Uh, to get on the tennis court, I was terrible. I mean, this is in my, this is when I played. So I was, let's say, thirteen. So, okay, so on a scale, if if golf is the of, so, the of the things we've seen you do, yes, golf for you. I mean, golf. If golf is the ten on a one to ten scale, mm -hmm. and basketball is the one, yes, and soccer was maybe somewhere in that five range for you, where would tennis lie? In all candidness, probably around a one or a two. <laughs> I, I couldn't play. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could not serve un, unless I did it really slow. Yeah, well, you can do but, that. But it's if not, I tried... You're if not I, playing Roger Federer. Sure, but if I tried to do a semblance of a real serve, I could barely hit the ball over the net. So I think, I think tennis would be an unmitigated disaster, Stephen A. Smith. Like <laughs> How about this? Take the net out of, the, out of play. Take the serve out of play. All right. Could you just rally it against a wall, say, five or ten times in a row? Uh, I think so. I think so, but I don't know so. <laughs> yeah, because I could do that. In my youth, I could do that. So so you're just saying hitting the ball against yep. the wall? Yep. I think I could do could that. Could you return it ten times and you know, get against to the wall? it before it gets by you? Well, you know. Against the wall, I think I could do that. Okay. I wow. think I could do that. But if you put me on a court and actually I challenge you, I think I am going to be absolutely atrocious. Well, don't think. Yeah, you would be. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying that there's there's some of these things I'm fairly confident about. Like I know I know my capability or how how bad I might be like with soccer. So I can tell you it's not going to be pretty but I think I can do it. 
or with basketball, I can't shoot. Or with golf, I think I'll be okay. I, tennis, I the believe ba- I'd be. The, the baseball challenge is the most intriguing one because there are batting cages around town where you can pick which pitch you want to throw. So you, you just, you, I think you we should do that There's one a next. screen that you can pick up to 100 miles an hour. You can have sliders. You can do pitch sequencing. But we could just ramp it up. We'll start at like 50 miles an hour. I think and we it should be like more match. than just you. It should be everyone who wants to this. go. And we'll see if anyone can touch a 90 or 100 mile an hour fastball. I, I, or, or does somebody want to stand in and take one off the lower <laughs> lumbar? No. I think if you had me stand in and you jacked that sucker up to 95, I'm curious, could I even bunt? No. Could I get a bunt down? I don't know, man. That's, I don't know either. Yeah, so, and, and then there's the risk of bunting and foul tipping one into your face. and Or you'd be holding the bat with your hand over the barrel and <laughs> get across up your knuckles. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, let's, uh, let's keep going here from the NHL Alumni Classic. We're going to be back just uh, in a couple minutes. Mackie and Judd at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. Adam Hall will join us. Uh, NHLer, Nashville, played for the Wild in 2006-2007. I'm sure there are Barry Trotz and Jock Lemaire stories to be told. We'll come back. Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. We're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, we are live at the Minnesota NHL Alumni Golf Classic. New course this year, new clubhouse here. It's awesome. We're in Hudson. We're... Judd is already counting down 90 minutes until he can go drink New Glarus beer. Oh, I'm excited about this. Yeah. Are you kidding? Spot, oh, it's fantastic. We have a Spotted Cow countdown spotted cow. on your computer right now. Believe me. Very I, exciting. I'll be, I'll be going very soon to, to <laughs> reserve my four glasses or whatever it is. We're at uh, White Eagle Golf Club, and uh, Adam Hall, decade-plus-long career in the NHL, and uh, played professionally all over the place for, what, 15, 20? You just retired a couple years ago from uh, professional April hockey? 2, 2017, so yeah, fresh out of it. Right on. Uh, we'd love – so you came into the league in the NHL, Barry Trotz with uh, Nashville, uh, Jacques Lemaire. We'd love – if you have any stories that are safe for the radio about either one of those guys off the top of your head, we would love to hear a story. <laughs> like, what was Barry Trotz like to play for when you, when you first came in the league? I was going to say the best stories are never ones you can tell in the air, right? right. So, no, you know what? Uh, both those coaches, a uh, uh, huge amount of respect for everything they've done. Um, you know, even when they were both incredible with me when I was there and, and gave me incredible opportunities. So I have nothing but uh, respect and gratitude for both of them. Um, fantastic to see, you know, uh, Barry Trotz was my first coach in the NHL. And you're, you're drafted by a team. You're, you're, that's your first everything in the league with that team. And, and so I think it's, um, it's, there's always a special place in your heart for your first kind of your team and just the way you come into the NHL. And that's so I think I'll always be grateful for uh, to the National Predators organization and the coaches and staff and um, everybody, uh, David Poyle and, and everybody there that um, you know basically allowed me to have an opportunity in the, in the league and uh, get to start. So um, yeah, he was he's just the way you look at him. He looks like this mean, he intense. Really does. You know, he just has that look. But um, I think the more you get to know him, you know, the, the, a lot of NHL teams do these dads, these fathers trips. And I think um, you know we're through those. You, you really start to see over the years some of the personal side to some of the coaches. And I remember Barry Trotz kind of you know giving a speech one time. We all had the dads and like a, a dad's dinner on the road, and um, just gave kind of like the personal uh, personal speech about his relationship with his dad, how family is important, and that, it's that. 
non-hockey side of of uh, people that you don't see every day when he's got that look. You come back after a bad shift, and he's got the he doesn't have to say anything. He's got the look like <laughs> I better have a pretty good shift next time, you know. So he was one of those guys that he didn't need to uh, to say too much to, to motivate you. So, um, but that was always a great part of it. And then, um, uh, but I think we're lucky in the hockey culture. No matter where you go, haven't played for a lot of different teams and. Um, Everywhere you go, it's just quality people that you, you enjoy being around, that care about each other, uh, feels like a real family. So I think we're pretty lucky that way. S- seven teams, if I'm correct, here during the course of your seven NHL teams. career. Yeah. What, uh, among those seven, what coach did you fear the most? Fear the most. Yeah, which coach Which coach did you say? You mean like fear for your life? <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> like, like I might mean, actually kill I you. Mean, <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy, you know, a torch-like, where you know the guy's going to yell and scream. Because, you know, I'm sure in, in that collection of teams, there are very different mentalities organizationally mm-hmm. as well about how to approach players. What coach did you think to yourself, if I have a bad shift, I don't know if I'm going to get sent down, yelled at, benched? Well, I think uh, I think all my coaches did a great job of making me feel that way equally. You know, oh, you're gonna there's gonna be consequences to this. Uh, you know, I, and I wouldn't use the term fear uh, at all. I think because um, I, I did all my coaches. I think did a good job. You know, you respect them just for you know their position in the league and everything else, and and what everybody you get at the end of the day, they have a job to do. They're trying to get everybody to motivate them to win, and we're all you all have that same goal. So I think that when you're a young player. That's one of the important things, you know, you take things much more personally, and as you grow as a player and mature, I think, you know, okay, everybody's on the same team here. We all have the same goal, trying to win. Um, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think Michelle Terrian in Pittsburgh, I think he was a pretty in- intense coach where, um, you know, everybody's got their personalities, but each one in their own way. You know, Perry Trotz, when he had a great way as, as much as they, you knew a coach cared about you. Guy Boucher in Tampa, yeah. I think he was a very intense coach that made sure, you know, he was getting the most out of players. Um, you know, I think he had, he, had, he had that look, you know. You come back to the bench. He's okay. got a look, too. You know, Boucher's he's, got that he's, look. He's got the, the hockey eyes, you know, after you've been around hockey long enough, you just get <laughs> that stare. Life, right? <laughs> you know, some of these, uh, you know, you're on the ice and you get, uh, you know when you, you take a cheap, cheap shot against another player and he gives you that look, you're like, all right, it's, you know, it's, it's time. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people, but that also makes you respect those guys that much more, you know. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of great memories. What? Why, by the way, our guest uh, Adam Hall is with us here, Mackie and Judd from the NHL Alumni Classic. I've brought this up to Judd so many times. If you look at any given year in the NHL, like 25 of the 30 coaches were hired by that team within the last three or four years. There's so much turnover. And yet there are, like Barry Trotz, it's so rare to, to coach that long for one organization. But Bruce Boudreaux is a four years and new team kind of a guy. Uh, Tortorella, you can name almost any coach you can think of. Why is it that coach messages just get burnt out is it why do you think you don't see as many eight ten year coaching relationships in professional hockey you know i think it it's, uh, it's a difficult question i'm sure it's different for every organization i think um i think it, it probably has a lot to do with the people in place at each organization ownership changes as well i mean um it's not always the same ownership groups uh, sometimes that changes over um there's there's general manager changes there's you know so there's a lot of infrastructure organizational changes that also happen that may play into that um and a lot of it coaching it has to be one of the toughest job in the game because you, you, as a player okay you just if you worry about yourself you you have a, a direct control on the game you feel like you every time over the boards you're out there i can have an effect on what i do my small piece of this coaches you're you're trying to 
you're trying to find a way to get everybody to do something. You can't get over there and do it yourself. You may see what needs to be done, and you're like, why aren't these guys doing this? And just so that had to me in my mind, that has to be one of the most. I'm coaching six year olds. My son's six now, oh, man. and I'm getting that. I'm already there. I'm like, just go do this. Just one thing that I tell you to do. So, Are you going to keep coaching? You know what? I love it. I think that uh, I enjoy it now. I think I would enjoy it. Um, you know, I think my family's moved around enough for a little while, so we'll probably take a break. And um, you know, uh, I think that. Um, but I, I just enjoy that side of it. You you want to be involved in the game, stay in the game, just because it's such a big part of your life for so long and that you enjoyed. So um, it's something that I always found to be a lot of fun. It's probably fun until players can talk back. At six, <laughs> at six, they're probably like, "Mr. Hall, we appreciate this." You'd be surprised. At they already six, know how to talk back. Like, yeah. I'm on the second line. What are you doing? My dad says I'm a first line winger. I mean, yeah. six year olds are Trust me, my son's not saying that. My son knows he he he's uh, he's uh, listens twice as much as he speaks. So he's he's been it's been a lot of fun. That's good though. We got to share a lot of memories. So you played your last few years in in the Switzerland Pro League, correct? That's correct. Yeah, uh, the National League in, in Switzerland. What yep. was it like playing in Switzerland? It was incredible. I think um, you know my my wife is from overseas, and we always talked about you know um, the possibility of going to Europe or, or somewhere to play and you know have a little adventure and. and and uh, just see what it's like. I'd obviously traveled quite a bit overseas with uh, national teams and um, always enjoyed it and, and always been honored and privileged to have that experience. And uh, the opportunity came up. I, my last year was with the Flyers in 2014, and, and um, we're just kind of, you know, you just – you know, your agents and everything else, you go through a lot of different conversations, a lot of different people and the family part of it, and um, the opportunity came up, and we, we jumped on it and um, had a good first uh, half of the season there, signed a two-year extension, and, and um, we, we really enjoyed our time there in, in Switzerland. Are there, uh, what kind of, this is kind of an ignorant question, but I think about this for, for athletes when you go play overseas, and sometimes I've I got to think the lifestyle differences. And, I, you know, when, when Japanese baseball players come over, it's not just, oh, go play baseball in, in the major leagues. It's have a translator with you. It's you know, learn to drive on a different side of the road and different types of things. What kind of lifestyle things are different when you go over and, and play overseas? Grocery shopping. You food you learn uh, you learn the hard way a lot of times that you ordered the wrong thing to eat. There's a lot of uh, just grocery shop. You're buying things. You're trying. <laughs> I think the first words you learn are you know food labels and what's in what. You're grocery shopping. My wife and I laughed all the time. Google Translate is. Uh, I've got I've got more Google. I've got more translation apps on my phone uh, than anybody. Uh, so I can I could probably do a whole review on uh, that could be a whole career. But uh, Google Translate uh, you get, become an expert at. Um, my son was. We were in the southern part of Switzerland, so uh, three years there. By the end of it, my son was five, and he was fluent in Italian to the point where my wife and I would just give him, you know, mail. Hey, read the translate oh, this. That's, and he, that's great. That's yeah, awesome. So he, he, you kind of lose yeah. it quick. We try and keep up with it, but um, unfortunately, at that age, unless you're immersed in it every day, it uh, it goes quick. But just a fantastic experience for uh, my wife and I. We loved. Uh, we tried to learn the language and picked up some Italian, and um, the people there were incredible to us. And uh, so um, just a lot of different. A lot of different things. The fans, they may not be 20,000 sold-out fans, but they definitely cheer like it. They've got drums and songs for each one of you guys would have your own unique song they would sing if you That's scored a goal. Sort of cool or, too, yeah, like they, yeah. Yeah. American crowds tend to we be a lot more that. tranquil compared to the rest of the world, right? Yeah. Just Vuvuzelas and soccer. Like we just, <laughs> or we just booyah. Yeah. Well, yeah. my wife's from South Africa, so I was there for the Vuvuzelas. And that, oh, my oh, God. Really? Was, yeah. I was that got a little aggressive. It was slightly annoying. Um, yeah. Just it never let up. It was like your ears are just ringing after the games, but uh, it was it was obviously an incredible experience to go over there as well. How yeah. tough is that to uh, to balance from team to team to team too? I mean, you know, playing for that many fr- franchises throughout your career, 
how tough is that, not just for you, but on family as well, to make the decision to go from Nashville to the Rangers to Minnesota to Tampa Bay and keep that going? That, that's a good act. It's, it's, um, it's definitely not easy. Anytime you, there's a change, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, it's, in a lot of ways, you feel like you're starting over. You know, Nashville, you feel like you came in as a rookie. This, they've known you since you were 7, 16, 7. I mean, they scouted you and drafted you, and they believed in you. And then you go to a new organization, and I, you, know, you spend three years playing in Nashville, but even years before that, they knew you and had a you know had you in their mind they and cultivated fit. You, yeah. yeah and then so really i mean you know more than you know four five six seven years maybe in their minds in the organization you go to a new place um and it's just you feel like you're starting over people don't know you're you're uh, in some senses a rookie again you got to prove yourself all over again which is almost good kind of in some ways where you always develop that edge okay i need to be this good no matter what everywhere you go and i think um to to change teams and start over that many times i feel like that kind of i i, I did develop an edge where i had to adapt i wasn't just always a right winger there was you know with pittsburgh i think we went to the cup finals i played in cup final games i played left wing center and right wing all in the same game sometimes and you you learn to be able to take face offs or penalty killer power i mean anything the team needs you have to be versatile to right. you know to make yourself uh you know fill a role crosby when when you get to play with with him on a nightly basis what are, are some things that you saw and grew to appreciate that, that make him special that, that fans who see him once or twice a year don't understand about him um <clears throat> i don't think anything that he does on the ice is um is is luck not not even close. I I've, I really don't think the fans, and I don't think there's any way the fans could ever understand how much hard work and, and uh, he puts into what he does. Which I think is a great thing to tell young kids coming up that they they have an ability, they have a chance, an opportunity. If they work that hard, it'll just it'll just come because uh, it's, now it's not easy. <laughs> that's a that's a whole lot of right. training effort and unbelievable the intensity that he puts into uh, training the way he does. Just seeing some of the you know the the off ice things. I mean, um, and just there would there would be um, you know optional pregame skates not many guys in the ice and he was he was he his expectations were so high of everyone around him you felt like you let him down and it wasn't like he didn't have to get angry you know what i mean you know let's sit down with the pass or something but that's Anything, a great thing to which have. every player even in the practice you'd feel like okay i gotta you know i gotta be ready to go here just because uh, so it, he had a way of um, and i think that's what good leaders do they just have a way about them of making everybody else try and elevate themselves and their expectations for themselves so that was good to see. Adam Hall, great to meet you, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming over here. Thanks for having Have me. Have fun. Uh, Mackie and Judd, NHL Alumni Classic. We're going to be back in a couple minutes. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. No! no I got no, it. Now! I need it now! Yes! I can't wait! Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. Here. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You know, it's, it's just like his own reality show. Mackey and Judd. I love it. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackey and Judd. Some fun conversation there. Yeah, Adam Hall, he played for the Wild in 2006-07 and uh, had a long NHL career. and Acquired from the Rangers in uh, at that time for Pasquale Dupuis, wow. who was with the Thrashers and Rangers briefly, I think, but, but then went to Pittsburgh and was successful. Pascal and so, Dupuis, yeah, it was Pascal Dupuis. So the that goes way uh, back machine. I remember his name. He was going to be kind of the the post-Gabrick savior of the franchise. Yeah, there and, were a few guys. Uh, who although, were didn't he have that. a couple of – he went he yes. bounced around, right? Is he still in the league? No, he, he had a uh, blood clot issue and had to retire like three oh, years back. Okay. But he won cups in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So he bounced from – in some order, he bounced from the Thrashers to the Rangers for a while – 
and then went to Pittsburgh and won a, I think he won a couple cups there. Yeah. And, and was, but he, he was perfect there because I think he played like third line. But Hall's point about Crosby is, is what I find so intriguing. So often when, when you ask about great players, and we just take for granted that you watch the player and, oh, man, he's just fantastically talented. Mm-hmm. So often guys who play with a guy like Crosby will tell you flat out it starts with how hard those guys work. But we don't appreciate that because we just think he, you know, he's gifted and he's just such a great player. Well, he is a great player, but he also establishes a precedent by outworking his teammates, which becomes the most important thing because if a guy like that works that hard, you can't be his teammate and be like, I'm going to take today off. Yeah, it's an, it's an obsession factor. I've told the story Correct. on the air before, too. I mean, Kev- Kevin Garnett's one of the most, te- by the way, that's like the ninth time that this, uh, this North Star's wild sign has fallen down in its face next to us. Very symbolic, actually, of what's happening with the wild. Stop Are you, you bringing us food right now? Is this lunch? Or are you just going to walk past us with no, we got- glorious deliciousness? Thank you. Uh, you know what? I, I have to try both, I think. Um, I'll, I'll exchange, I'll just exchange the food for a spotted cow right now. So don't worry about the food. Don't, don't worry about that food. Actually, Judd That's wants, just going to cause Judd, you to gain weight unnecessarily. Judd just wants the brown paper bag to put around whatever <laughs> bottles of alcohol he's going to have later. Oh, that's terrible. Um, the obsession factor. I remember going in, this is, I think this is the, the last year of Kevin Garnett with the Wolves. And this might have been. Oh yeah. You've told me the story. Yeah. yeah this might've been off season or no, I'm sorry. It was during the season. Because they had a back-to-back, and they, just, they had just flown back from New York off a of back-to-back. And so this was, it went game, game. He might have sat out because he wasn't playing back-to-backs. And then, um, and it, it was his last season with the Wolves. Mm-hmm. And then it was day off or optional day of workout, but just go take a breather. You've just traveled and played back-to-back NBA games. And there were two guys in the facility. I was in there to interview Cheryl Reeve for a podcast, and their offices are down in the same area of the Mayo Clinic Square. Zach Levine was working out just doing, like, bench press reps and stuff alone in the gym. And KG was the only guy on the practice court with three or four trainer towel boy types just hoisting up jump shots, just doused in sweat, pouring sweat out of his body. He'd clearly been there for God knows how long in an empty gym. Third day after back-to-back games, and uh, and he's he's just yelling, and I can't say the full phrase on on the air, but... Got to get these MF and threes up. Got to get these. Just yelling and talking to himself. Like this guy. And his career's just about done. Has played for 20 years in yep. the NBA. Could easily, hey, I'm, I'm just a role player. I'm basically uh, on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. I'm basically an assistant coach. And he's in there because, in his mind, if he's not doing that on a regular basis, he has no credibility at practice. Wasn't that the story, too, with the Celtics that Doc Rivers used to tell him, yeah. Paul Pierce and Ray Tone Allen? Tone it down. Don't, you know, dude, you guys can take some time off. Yeah, you guys, we're, hey, we're not the youngest team in the league here. We're looking to win championships. Let's pump the brakes at practice. And KG was furious at that mm-hmm. notion because he was so obsessed with putting in the work. Well, you got like KG, Kobe, Crosby, Messier. They're obsessed. But it's just... It, Anytime you ask the question, okay, you, you played with, with this guy, what's your takeaway? I think fans and, and us, to a large degree, expect the takeaway to be, he made this move against Montreal once that I couldn't believe. And inevitably, the takeaway is, the guy practiced constantly. Yeah. And so it's not a fluke. And, and yes, it starts with a baseline of talent that, uh, that is beyond all of our scopes, but it's also, why are, are you so good? And, and I think that that's why it's so valuable for a guy, for a young player to play with a guy like that. Because 
you you see clearly it's not a fluke. And if you're just talented and you think, you know what, I'm I am a superior player to these three guys, that's going to take you so far, and then that's done. Mm-hmm. And so now now you're going you're going to be potentially successful, but you're never going to maximize your success, and you're ultimately probably not, not going to win nearly as much as you can if you set a precedent. And but this is what this is what Butler doesn't get. Like Butler does this, and then Butler automatically thinks everyone else is going to watch this and be exactly like me. So that's the danger there. I think what you do is you establish the foundation that I'm going to work this hard, but if you ever think that the entire team is going to follow you then, that's probably a mistake because there are some guys that it's certainly going to leave an impression on, but there are some guys inevitably that are always going to be like, yeah, dude, you work really hard. That's great. See you later. But make no mistake, if if there's a huge work ethic gap between – Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. Ultimately, it's not Jimmy Butler's fault. You, it's, oh, great! It's, I, I do wish he was better as someone who wants the Wolves to be successful long term and just be more interesting on a regular basis. I wish he was better able to communicate with his teammates and his young his young teammates specifically mm-hmm. in a way that like rubbed off on them. He's not that great at it, to be honest. Kobe wasn't either. Remember how annoyed Kobe Bryant would get at guys like Smush Parker, yes. and some of these idiot young teammates. Yeah, he would throw them under the bus. And uh, and and rip them to the media, and those and then those guys, of course, had horrible things to say about Kobe as a teammate. But ultimately, Kobe had five rings, and and he, got and the he guys was a star won. who worked his butt off. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's so. That's that's the most frustrating thing. And actually, this is segueing into something we can get into maybe at the top of the hour. But you know, the fact that guys like Wiggins or I don't know if Johnny Manziel is the best example, but he is an example. They just kind of think, oh, I'm really talented, and I really like. I just kind of like where I'm at, and and then don't either understand how much work their peers are putting in, and or how much work it takes to get to that next level. Or maybe that sometimes it might just be this is the Bryant McKinney theory. It might just be that some guys don't care as much. Some guys just don't care as much as Kobe Bryant did about being the greatest That's basketball player in the world. Right, a thousand percent. Like true, Bryant yes. McKinney. Yes. And, and, and granted, he was a multi-time Pro Bowler regardless, but he, was, but he just didn't care that much about waking up in the morning and being regarded as a Hall of Fame left tackle. He was, I make a lot of money, and I play football, and it's great, and that's, I'm just going to draw the line there. And his talent was, was great, but he, he's a guy, if McKinney had ever woken up and said, I'm, I'm going to Canton, he could have, mm-hmm. and he never did. And they make so much now that that, that becomes an issue, too, and... I think all, all you can do is, if you're Butler or Crosby, that group, all you can do is establish the fact, I work this hard, and if you do the same, you, you might not be as successful as I am, but you'll have success. And some guys are going to, to follow, but you never, but when you do have a guy who's an absolute superstar, who does what Crosby does, you've got a fighting chance then, because your third line guy is never going to say, yeah, you know what, I'm good enough. Because the only way that that guy's going to stay in the league and probably be successful is to is to at least try and work as hard, even if he doesn't have the same success that a guy like Sidney Crosby does. Speaking of, a contract was signed last week in the NBA, and I'm wondering if you'd rather have this contract if you're the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about this last week. So let's do that. Also, uh, we may still, I know they're teeing off here in like a half hour at the NHL Alumni Golf Classic, but we may still have another guest or two before then at White Eagle Golf Club. It's one of our favorite broadcasts of the year. Plus, we get to sit outside in the 80 and sunny. It's this is great bad. today. It's not too bad. No humidity today is fantastic. Mackie and Judd back shortly. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Happy? Yeah, happy. 
1500 ESPN. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.